Hey kids, welcome to the Clean Slate Farm Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Lenweaver, and in this podcast, we'll be talking about gardening, cooking, beekeeping, DIY, and other fun stuff that we find interesting. We'll also have some interviews with people I come across on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and through our YouTube channel, Clean Slate Farm. So have a listen. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a thumbs up. Hey everybody, welcome to Clean Slate Farm. This is our initial podcast and we're talking with Will Wallace. And Will, how did we meet anyway? Uh, I think the um, great Eric Rochow from Garden Fork is the great connector of people. He he did a show once, I think, with you on his podcast. You interviewed and talked about Clean Slate Farm and some of the stuff that you guys are doing. And then I was a listener and then I've been on his show also, and then I started following you, and then you started following me online, and then started talking, and the next thing you know, here we are. That's right. That was. Was it about? It was the mushrooms, wasn't it? I think we got started on. Yeah, you started talking about mushrooms because it was like kind of foraging season, and we were just finishing up ours, and then I started doing some interviews with him regarding our remodel, I think, and then you had reached out to me on something, and I sent something to you, and back and forth we went, and here we are today. Yeah, here we are today, and it looks like we're recording. So, uh, Now, you are a pyrotechnician, correct? I am. I blow stuff up for a living professionally, and uh, I do indoor, outdoor, specialty, and stage. Cool. Now, how, how did you get to be a pyrotechnician? Actually, I wish I could say there was some great thing that happened, but I actually responded to a Craigslist ad Um so there's a lot of different parts to being a pyrotechnician. You don't just start and become one and and go. It it started out. I there was an ad on Craigslist that said, "Hey, do you want do you like fireworks? Do you want to get involved with it? Would you like to give it a try?" So I emailed the company and said, "Sure." You know, I've always been interested in doing that. I've done it in the backyard and everything else. And they came back and said, "Okay, Fourth of July, come on out. We're going to shoot fireworks." And I did my first show as a crew member. And did that for a couple of years doing outdoor stuff. And then um, I got recruited by one of the big companies in town that said, hey, we're looking for somebody to work. And that eventually worked to getting on bigger and bigger shows. And then at one point in time, I got my license for working indoors. And one of the guys got sick one day and they're like, hey, would you like to go do a concert? And I'm like, sure. And the next thing you know, now I'm you know working with all sorts of different groups and things like that. I've done Miley Cyrus. Actually, this Friday, I have Iron Maiden is one of the shows. So I've kind of, it, it took years. I mean, I, I, I make this a short, you know, two minute story of how I got into it. But quite honestly, I started this back in about 2010 and it, you know, I I humped material into trucks for years and then eventually got to become a shooter. And then eventually that kind of led to the next thing because it's very much a tradesman organization. So you have something where, you know, you start out with very, very, you know, labor intensive stuff. And eventually you kind of work your way through as time goes along to, I don't want to say the better jobs, but the more interesting stuff. Right. It's I, you probably just don't walk in and start lighting fuses then. No, no. There's a there's a lot of safety stuff and there's a lot of um how how do I say it, training that goes into it. I mean, because you have to have, be state certified and and that industry, you know, there's not very many fatalities or injuries in it because it's very well regulated. And a lot of people and you're, and you're licensed and absolutely. Yep. Oh, that's cool. So you're doing, you just did Alice Cooper or something I saw on Facebook? Yeah, last week, uh, Thursday was Alice Cooper. I got Iron Maiden and then 4th of July. And then there's a bunch of uh, concerts coming this summer and, you know, just different events. I've worked for the NBA, uh, the NFL, 
Um, you know, like when the Minnesota Vikings have their football games and you go there and they have the pyro in the beginning or you see the guys running out on the field and they're running through the fireworks and stuff like that. That's that's the kind of stuff that I do now. I'm I'm primarily indoor uh, stuff and then uh, I do outdoor every once in a while. That's neat. Now, are there a lot of companies like this around the country or just how many? Um, well, there's there's only one or two companies in the United States that actually manufacture the fireworks. And that's actually one of the companies I work for. Right. And then there are a number of sub companies that work in different regions. So there's probably about maybe two dozen companies that shoot outdoor uh, fireworks. And then for the indoor stuff, there's maybe a handful, five or six of them that do it. And then they let's say you're Taylor Swift and you want to have a concert and you want to have pyro, you might hire a company like pyro engineering or something like that, that would design your show and everything else. And then as the tour goes around, they hire crew members to come work on it in different regions because people are licensed in different States. So when they go to California, it's one type of license. When they go to Nevada, it's another, when they come to Wisconsin or Minnesota, it's another and so on. So when people come into our region, I become the guy who, you know, helps them with the tour or just supervises or actually works on it and things like that. So it all, it, it, it's all different variations of it, but it, because of regulation is different by each state, the tours tend to have one main company that designs it, but then they have, you know, 40 some different companies possibly work on the show just because the regulations are different in all the different states. Oh, wow. That's cool. Now, I, you know, I'm better looking than Taylor Swift, but she has a better voice. You, you know, she, I, I did uh, bump into her backstage and yep, she's attractive. So, <laughs> so I've been following your cabin rebuild, uh, also on your YouTube channel, which is, what is it again? The homes, the homestead weekend, uh, the, the, week, weekend the weekend, or? the weekend homestead is what we call our YouTube and Instagram channel. Um, we didn't, we normally live in the city and then on the weekends we go up to our place. It's a cabin and it, it you know, it's not just a cabin in the woods because we have the apple orchard. We have, you know, pumpkin patches. We have ATV trails. We have all those kind of things. And and so it's kind of our way to step away from the busy, you know, sitting in traffic in the twin, in the twin cities and getting away to a kind of a simpler, quieter place. Sure. Now, you you have the orchard and pumpkin patches. You've got that all enclosed, right? I saw I think I saw a video of you doing that with the Yeah, the uh, yeah, the the fence. We have an 8-foot fence around there because you know, being in the northern part of Wisconsin. And when I when I say we're in the northern part of Wisconsin, we're on the same latitude as uh Berlin if you went around the the world and looked at the latitude line. We go through some pretty uh uh northern spots. I think my zone is like 3A 3B, which you know, I get a two-week growing season, and that's about it. So, yeah. Uh, and and what kind of trees do you have the orchard in the orchard? Uh, we have uh, four types of apple trees, two types of plum trees, and two types of peach trees. But we put the big fence around the outside of it to keep the deer out. So, being as north as we are, we have, you know, wild animals a lot. And I mean, it's you have to have a fence fencing in either you cage each individual tree or you make a fence around all of them. And when we are looking at planting twenty or thirty trees the fencing for each individual tree and the maintenance for each individual tree would be so much because as the tree gets bigger, you have to make the fence bigger up to a point. Right. So it's one of those things where you have to keep doing it over and over again. So we looked at it as, okay, how much work is it going to be over the next five years to move the fencing on 20 or 30 trees? Or would it be easier to make one fixed fence and then have gardens and have everything in that one space so that then, you know, the space is, uh, I think it's like 75 feet wide by 115 feet long. And yeah. yeah, it took a lot to put the fence in, but now we don't have to worry about anything inside of that space because it's an eight foot fence and deer tend yeah. not to challenge that. So 
So it's like a garden compound then. Basically, yeah. We we boiled down. We've got about 160 acres on the property, and we took that space, which was just a grass field at one point in time, and we mowed it really short and, and uh, then went in and put the marked in the fence and put it in and planted everything inside of it. And, you know, it works really well for us, so. Wow, that's great. Now, I, I had an Instagram post where I posted where I was uh, planting our blueberry bushes. And uh, who, now your wife is handling the Instagram account or you're doing that? Yeah, we kind of split it up a little bit. I was doing Instagram and Facebook and the YouTube stuff. And the my wife actually is the one who's doing kind of the Instagram posts. I was going to ask you about your blueberries. Um, what type of blueberries did you plant? Because you're a little bit further south. You're zone five, aren't you? Zone 5A, yeah. But we're at like 1,500, 1,450 feet elevation. And uh, like our growing season from Syracuse, which is the closest large city to us, uh, we're like two weeks behind that because of our elevation here. Uh, but I put in uh, five plants. I put in three Legacy and two Hardy Blue. And then I put one other one. I can't remember what a top hat. It's a smaller, low-growing bush. How did you uh, pick? How did you pick which ones you wanted to put in? I went for because of our elevation. I chose them on the little tag there. It said Hardy to to like ten below, twenty below. And we get some cold weather here. A couple of winters ago, we had a stretch of about I don't know, about fifteen days where it didn't get above ten below. So. Yeah, I remember that we had the same we had the same thing. It's interesting because I see you post stuff about your weather station and things like that online. Yeah, and um, we don't have a weather station at our property. I, I've, I've been fancying to get one. I just haven't really gotten into it yet. But uh, um, one of the thing I noticed was your you you showed your temperatures and things like that. I'm like, they you guys are basically living almost at the same temperature range as we are because we had the right. same thing where it was below ten, ten below zero. So that would be what in Celsius. Uh, 40 below uh, some, something like that something like that yeah yeah 40 below celsius 10 below fahrenheit for i think 15 or 20 days straight and it didn't get above that at all even in the daytime high it was even colder at night so yeah now the good thing about that though was the next summer we had zero bugs in the garden uh i remember talking when we moved down here the farmer that lives down the road was telling me that uh we had a, a cold snap or a warm snap in the winter. And he says, well, it's it's a warm winter. You're going to have a lot of bugs in the garden. And I said, why is that? And he said, because it doesn't freeze down and kill the larva. So, yeah, I've, and, I've heard and that, that proved thing. out. Yep. Yeah, that proved out when we had that cold snap because we had zero bugs. It, it got down really deep. So, yeah, for us, I mean, we going back to the blueberry thing, we we have the apple trees in there and then I have these in the corners. It's difficult to mow inside of there. So we're building planter boxes in the corner, kind of on an angle to make it an easier mow. And well, now that we have these triangles in the corner, it's like, what do you plant there? So it's kind of a good spot to have bushes. So we have two types of blueberries, um, uh, two types of raspberries. And I've actually kind of been shopping strawberries to figure out one, what strawberries grow in our zone. And then two, you know, which ones could we do something with? Cause ultimately we want to plant things that we can, do something with. We pick the apples based on the varieties that we could make cider with or bake with or which ones are good mm -hmm. eating apples and things like that. And and we planted things we like, you know, some people just, oh, I'm going to plant an apple tree and then they plant it and then they never eat it because they don't know what to do with it or they don't, you know, right. they don't like it or anything like that. So we pick the things that are our favorites. So you're going to make apple moonshine. You know, I made that and the, <laughs> the thing actually, one of the main ingredients of it is, um, apple cider so 
we planted Zestar and Harrelson. Harrelson is a sour apple and Zestar is kind of a sweet apple and they're both very juicy. And the ratio that I've read online is you take, if you want a, a really uh, heavy flavor of apple, do one sour to, or two sour to one sweet. And if you want a sweet cider, you do uh, two sweet to one sour as your ratio when you're doing your mash. So we planted mm -hmm. trees based on the idea of, hey, if we want to try this sometime, let's make sure that we have the right things to do it. Think ahead. Exactly. Sometimes I'm not that good at that. Uh, now, we were talking the other night also and on your rebuild. Now, you used the Walt tools for that, right? Yeah, actually, uh, the I'd been doing remodeling on uh, cabins and houses and things like that over the years. I mean, a lot of people have watched what we're doing on the YouTube channel, and they think this is our first time. And actually, we've been doing this probably since we bought our first home. I remember when I was 20 years old, we bought our first home and it was a remodel fix up. And I've always had kind of eh, okay tools. And then when we decided that we were going to make this move and do this big remodel that Christmas, the, the missus uh, got me a, a DeWalt toolkit. Cause I always had kind of the, the cheap ones that you kind of get online or you get in the store, you know, that they have on special. And for the right. amount that we use them, I, we bought this DeWalt kit. It has a circular saw drill, um, reciprocating saw and a couple of other things, plus a couple of batteries. And, you know, we used it for 200 days. We rebuilt a house and they were the primary tools that we used besides, of course, table saws and chop saws and all that stuff. But right. it was amazing that they held up. And what I kind of learned through this whole thing was the lesson of, yeah, you know what, sometimes tools are more expensive, but then in the sense that, you know, if you buy a good tool, most likely it will last, um, you know, for a lifetime. And I look at, you know, back in the day when I bought some tools and I had to buy the more expensive ones. Those are the ones that tend to stick around and the junky ones kind of end up breaking. You end up replacing it three times. Yeah. You know, when we bought our first house back in it was the late 70s, 78, 79 or something like that, there was an old fella that lived there, Monty, and Monty was probably 80 years old then. Uh, and he told me, David, if you buy a hammer and there's two hammers, a $10 hammer and a $15 hammer, buy the $15 hammer. And I said, well, why is that? And he said, you're going to buy two of the $10 hammers when you could have bought the $15 hammer and would have lasted forever. And he's right. And getting back to the tools, I bought a table saw. I had an old, I'm not going to mention the brand name, uh, table saw that I had. And it just wouldn't make a straight cut to save save its life. Uh, so I sold that and I bought, bought the DeWalt table saw. I think it's a 745. My first cut on that out of the box, I cut an eight foot length of one by six and i had to trim off just a little bit on eight feet i had a 32nd of an inch piece of trim that came off of that it could have been veneer it was that that perfect of a cut coming off of that saw so it i think it pays to buy the better tools definitely at the end of the day definitely yeah yeah so well uh will thanks for talking today and uh thanks for being on the initial podcast uh for clean slate farm uh, and folks can find you on on Instagram at what? Uh, yeah, we are uh, the Weekend Homestead on Instagram, and we are also the Weekend Homestead on Facebook and YouTube. Mostly videos about what we're doing on the weekends or projects and things like that. I tend to post more pictures because it's quite honestly a little easier to take a couple snapshots of smaller projects and things like that. But our whole remodel and everything is up on YouTube, so definitely uh, check us out if you can. Yeah, and you, you, thanks for having us. You did a did a great job on that remodel. It's beautiful. So I, I encourage everybody to take a take a look at that because uh, 
The the cabin is beautiful. Will did an awful lot of work on that and spent what just two hundred days or something. Yeah, like that, you said? the first phase was two hundred days. We started. We just started doing the uh, second phase of the remodel. So the first phase was doing a lot of the interior and structural work, and now the now we're doing kind of the beautification projects. We're putting the decks on and the siding and all those types of things. Neat. That's cool. Well, anyway, Will, thanks for for uh, being on the podcast. I appreciate that and. Uh, for those of you listening, you can find Clean Slate Farm on Facebook at Clean Slate Farm. YouTube channel is 1215 Clean Slate. I haven't quite figured out how to just get that Clean Slate Farm. Uh, our website is cleanslatefarm.com, and uh, I'm going to post an affiliate link to Amazon uh, down below, and that way you can help support us here at Clean Slate Farm. So thanks for, wa- thanks for listening, not watching. I'm so used to doing the videos. Thanks for listening to Clean Slate Farm. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. On our next show, we'll be talking with Sherry Fisher from Pennsylvania. We'll be talking about Sherry's greenhouse, her raised bed gardens, and how she extends her growing season. Tune in. This podcast is a production of Clean Slate Farm, copyright 2017, all rights reserved.